Welcome to The Cobot Show, the podcast that breaks down the barriers of industrial automation. My name is Danielle Marlette from Universal Robots, and today we're talking about autonomous bin picking. Talking with me today is Joe Campbell, industrial marketeer who has been in the industry for over 40 years. We also have with us Eric Anderson, who's the senior product manager for the Actinav autonomous bin picking product. So, Joe, Eric, let's talk about autonomous bin picking. Hey, thanks, Danielle. Eric, glad to have you on. It's going to be a great conversation today. Um, boy, I got to say, we have uh, we have introduced ActiNav, and there has just been a flurry of activity and interest and follow-up. Can you uh, just give us the short story about what people are finding so interesting in this new product? Hey, Joe. Yeah, sure. So Actinav is uh, is Universal Robots' uh, latest product introduction. It's uh, an application kit uh, targeted at solving bin picking, particularly uh, bin picking with accurate placement. And so, you know, that's a really hard problem to solve. And we've uh, introduced a product that's just super easy to use. So, you know, people are really interested to to learn more about it and see what they can do with it. So when I hear bin picking, um, you, you know, my first response when you and I started talking some months ago was, uh, you know, I think of bin picking, I think of uh, order fulfillment, Amazon warehouses, uh, logistics centers, et cetera. But apparently this is quite a bit different. Yeah, well, you know, one of the challenges with, you know, with this term bin picking is it just encompasses so many different types of, of uh, applications. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of them there. Um, you know, uh, order fulfillment or e-commerce and logistics bin picking, for example. Um, what our product, though, is really focused on is a, is a type of bin picking uh, that needs accurate placement for tending machines. So hmm. actually picking parts out and placing them in a structured and oriented uh, and accurate way. So it's a really interesting technology. So, but this is interesting because we've been, as a company, Universal has been very, very successful selling our collaborative robots uh, into machine tending applications. I mean, you know, over 10,000 would be my easy guess. Um, why is why is this different? What space are we trying to attack that's different than the traditional space that UR occupies? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, cobots in general are are ideal. Like you mentioned, you know, as a really common, popular application for our cobots is is machine tending. Um, you know, they're safe around people. You can set them up easily yourself in front of existing machines. Um, but one of the things to deploy, you know, a cobot into machine tending was that you needed, as well, to um, present the part in a repeatable location. And so, you know, today's, uh, you know, uh, cobots that are deployed today in front of machines, you'll typically see next to them some type of a of an infeed. Maybe it's a tray or maybe it's a, a ramp or a conveyor belt that's all feeding the parts to a to a fixed, you know, known location. Um, and so what we're doing with this is we're we're allowing people basically a worker to drop off a bin of parts in front of, uh, you know, in front of the robot. And the cobot's going to pick them out of that bin and then load them direct into the machine. So we're just simplifying the work cell, really. Uh, it's the same application. It's just another way of going at it. Instead of having two things, something to orient the parts and then the cobot to pick and, and move those parts into the machine, we're just delivering a bin 
uh, machine side, and then the, the cobots figuring out how to get the parts out of the bin and then right into the machine. Yeah, I liked the I the the term that you used is simplify. I think that's a it's a key key term that you mentioned, and it's that's really the whole idea of just like cobots and um, automation in general is just to to help simplify. Well, that, yeah. and that's a really good point, Danielle, because uh, again, I've, I'm an old timer in the robot industry. When you say bin picking to me, I start to get extremely nervous because it's a <laughs> lot of work. Yeah. Yep, that is often the case, isn't it? Yeah, so many, uh, so many of the uh, you know bin picking, um, you know, cameras out there, really from the from the sensor vendors, are are focused on you know really hard to set up, really capable but really hard to set up vision systems. And then there's tons of of robot programming, but Actinav is just completely different. Uh, it uses a 3D sensor, but uh, there's virtually no um, you know, all these vision settings, there's virtually no settings, there's two actually, um, and then there's very little robot programming as well. So it just really simplifies down, Actinav really simplifies down uh, the whole programming of, uh, of bin picking, picking parts out of the bin and placing them into the machine. So how do we accomplish that? Because that is, uh, that's not trivial. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, we we've got uh, quite a bit of development into into the product. Yeah. Um there's there's a couple of things. One is of course simplifying uh the vision piece and then uh the second part which is uh pretty much always overlooked is simplifying the uh the motion control or the robot programming. Um and what we've done is we've uh we've uh, of course simplified the vision settings down to just two. Uh, we're using CAD-based matching, so that's one thing, is we need a CAD model of the part. Uh, that contains tons of information, which actually uh, really simplifies down some of the vision programming. Um, but really what makes Actinav, you know, uh, makes it so simple to use is this uh, teach-by-demonstration method of robot programming. How does that work? So you actually, you actually bring the parts into the system and, and do a, a teach-by-show? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mentioned we have a we need a CAD model of the part, um, and so you just uh, load that onto a USB stick and put that uh, plug it right into the teach pendant there. So once we have that uh, CAD model of the part, we then uh, physically attach the part, or the programmer, the user would physically attach the part to the end effector, any end effector, and move the robot in free drive mode, move it underneath the 3D scanner, and hit scan. And basically, um, we're gonna what the Actinav system is gonna remember is the relationship between the part and the robot, and it's gonna remember that. So you're basically showing it. Uh, here's how I want you to pick this part. So again, I'm going back to my past life. Is in getting the part was one part of the problem, but then determining how to bring the part into placement, whether it's a machine or an assembly location. It used to involve tremendous amount of programming, path after path. Is that still the case? <laughs> no, not well, not with Actinav. Um, with uh, you know, with sensors that are that are focused really on solving the vision problem, there's typically uh, weeks, weeks and weeks of robot programming and debugging and runoff and testing and trying to, you know, handle collisions and outlier cases. Um, but with Actinav, it just simplifies, it just eliminates all of that. Uh, what we do after we show Actinav how we want to pick the part, uh, we actually move the robot out of the view of the 3D scanner, and we uh, position the part 
um, where we want to place it. And what we're remembering uh, when we hit, you know, teach that position basically, is we're remembering not the robot pose or anything to do with the robot movement, but we're actually remembering the location and orientation of that part in the robot's virtual workspace. Huh. And so when we do that, um, then the system, Actinav system, figures out how to go into the bin and pick those parts and then move that part to the part location, not to a robot pose, but to a part location. And so there's virtually infinite number of paths to get there. And the user doesn't program a single one of them. Wow. That's incredible. So what, what is the typical setup time then? I mean, it can't, it sounds trivial at this point. Right. <laughs> it, well, uh, it is to an extent, um, you know, probably the, the most time consuming uh, aspect of setting up the system is not uh, showing Actinav how you want to pick the part or showing it where you want to place it, but really simply training the environment. And this is really, um, you know, a, a key concept of Actinav is that um, when you put the robot in front of the, the machine, you need to train this uh, environment. You need to tell it about its, uh, its settings and what's around it so that it can actively navigate through its environment. Is it uh, appropriate? I want to do talk a lot more about specific applications that make sense, but is this appropriate for the, you know, the 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 low volume, high mix job shop environment? It can be. Uh, yeah, typically what we see is, um, you know, in, in a particular station, if we set up an Actinab system in front of a particular machine, uh, usually that machine tends or, or machines or processes those uh, parts Usually it's a family of parts that are similar, but a little different. So maybe if it's processing, you know, uh, bearing rings, for example, you know, the, the, it might process a variety of bearing rings. Some are a little wider diameter, a little smaller diameter, a little taller, uh, you know, a little thicker, a little thinner. So they're, they're, they're frequently in a family of parts, um, which can use maybe a common end effector. But yeah, changing over to a new you know, if you've already set up one bearing, changing over and programming the next 10 bearings and, you know, two months from now you get a different, you know, a new bearing as well, then yeah, programming them is, is really straightforward. Just load in that, that CAD model and then you do the teach by demonstration. The, the environment programming, which takes the most time, maybe, maybe an hour, uh, maybe wow. up to two hours tops, you know, that's already, that's fixed. That's not gonna change. So really the programming of the pick and place where you show how you want to pick it and then you show where in space you want to place it um, is, is minutes. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, are there, are there limitations um, on part size that this is appropriate for? Are there Ooh, yeah. you know, limitations on the bins? I see lots of different bin types, depths, sizes, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, you know, Actinav, um, you know, is designed to work with the UR5E and UR10E uh, cobots. So, you know, there is some some limitation on the on the cobot side to part size, uh, particularly part weight, right? Um, as also as as parts get larger and larger, it makes uh, perhaps less and less sense to pick them out of a out of a bin. You know, mm -hmm. um, the bigger they get, the fewer, fewer of them fit inside a bin. And, uh, you know, if you have to refill the bin every, you know, 
20 minutes, then maybe it's just worth it to have a person there, or put them in a tray or line them up or, or something different. So, so, you know, part sizes that we're generally targeting with Actinav is typically around a half an inch, maybe up to six inches in size. They could be a little bigger, maybe up to eight inches. But um, yeah, about half inch to six inch in size. That's the general general part range. It gives you a nice long run time. Uh, you know, fits nicely inside of a bin. You get enough of them so that you can go hours between uh, refilling those bins. Yeah, I think. Why well, no? Oh, go ahead, Daniel. I, I think sorry. that makes sense because you don't, like you said, you don't want to have this really well simple uh, setup but you don't want to be going in and out of it multiple times. That's kind of the idea of the, the automation aspect. You want it to run on its own with uh, minimal, minimal contact. Exactly. Continuous operation. That's the goal of, uh, of Actinav is to, is to have as, as much uptime as possible with right. as little, you know, as little refilling as possible. Right. Well, I know we've we've talked in the past about cycle time, and you've got some benchmarks for you know the the kind of machining cycles uh, or process cycles. It doesn't have to be machine tool, but uh, process cycles that seem to make the most economic sense for Actinav. Could you give us some background on that? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so so there's you know there's kind of uh, super fast cycle time uh, machine tending applications, like maybe. Uh, one to five seconds where the process is something really simple, like just, I don't know, uh, you know, drilling a single hole into a, a work in process part. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, a, and, and a person, you know, labor actually uh, makes really good sense for that application because people can, can feed that part and feed that machine really quickly. Um, and so it might make sense there. Or you might go to another type of automation, which is really high speed, like, for example, a bowl feeder, for example, where it's uh -huh. feeding directly, you know, right into the machine. Um, and then you get into these sort of, uh, you know, 10 to 90 second cycle time machines. And those are really prime for uh, automating with cobots uh, and, and with Actinav as well. Um, what we see there is that, you know, if you have a person tending that machine, um, you know, the, in the cycle time is, let's say, you know, 40 seconds, you know, the person loads that part and they sit there and wait and they play with their phone a little bit and they talk to, you know, the person next to them. And, and it's just not really great for anybody. You know, the, the task is dull. There's a lot of downtime. Uh, it's not great. You know, there's a very high, uh, labor cost per part. Um, the person can't go do other things because you know the cycle time is fast enough that they have to be there the whole time. Um, and so that's really ideal for, you know, for implementing either a cobot with some type of a feeding mechanism, like we said before, you know, machine tending is a top uh, application for UR today, mm -hmm. or implementing Actinav, you know, where you're just simplifying the whole work cell and, and just delivering a bin and picking directly from the bin. Um, so that's these 10 to 90 second cycle times, maybe up to two minutes. Um, then there's kind of the third category, uh, you know, above two minutes. Above two minutes really lends itself um, to, um, you know, to maybe a tray or a conveyor belt, you know. Somebody can come mm -hmm. along eh, once every hour, once every couple of hours, you know, rack up 50 parts. You know, if the processing time is two, three, four minutes long, maybe there is a machining on a cast part, 
you know, it, it might not make sense to, to deploy a whole Actinav system and deliver a bin of parts. Maybe you just stack them up in a tray and, you know, come around every every so often. It can mm -hmm. run for a long time. So, yes, these, these 10 to 90 second, maybe up to two minute, um, where the process, you know, takes that long. These are just ideal stations and super easy to automate, um, that, you yeah. know, and, and replace that, them. Sounds like the sweet spot for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Can you talk a little bit about bins? Because I know there's this huge debate in the industry about bin size and bin depth. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, it sounds to me like Actinav may have some advantages there. Yeah, well, you know, Actinav works with any any size bin. Uh, you train the bin uh, in a very similar way, uh, teach by demonstration, which means just take the take the cobot and actually touch the walls of the bin. Um, it's interesting, what we found is typically with the UR5 applications with Actinav, um, you know, a lot of times customers will say, well, you know, our goal is continuous operation. We don't have a particular, you know, bin. Can you recommend one? Yep, here's a good one, you know. Um, but with the with the UR10, we typically find that customers have their own bin, you know, there may be their own steel bin or a, or a wireframe you know, uh, mesh or, or fence for, um, bin. And so uh, in, in those cases, um, you know, our scan size is about, uh, about uh, with the large sensor, about a thousand by a thousand by a thousand millimeters. So that's the, the yeah, big that's size. Good size. Bin. Yeah, yeah, good size. And the small bins are, you know, about half that, about 500 by 500 by 500. So, you know, between those two, um, we can definitely load, you know, a lot of parts in that half inch to six inch size and get really good long run times. Do we, uh, does Actinav support multiple machines? Can we use one Actinav system to feed multiple machines? No, so in, in uh, so the way Actinav is designed today is uh, I usually like to tell people it's a one to one to one to one to one system. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's one robot picking one type of part out of one bin with one sensor above that bin feeding one machine. Got it. But now, if you, of course, you can change. You can, right. you can you can change over. That's right. Yeah, that's the next. That's exactly right, Joe. That's always the next question I get. You know, well, what? How easy is it, or how hard is it to to change over to another part? And it's super simple. You just go on the Teach Pendant and and load a new program. Uh, Actinav can store up to a hundred different uh, parts in its memory. So wow. changing over to a new part type, um, you know, or a new gripper um, is is really straightforward just as simple as touching the teach pendant and going yep yep you just load a new program and then that'll that'll pull in uh you know say oh i'm, I'm now i'm picking this part so it tells it which cad model you're going to be picking so then mm -hmm. you just say oh, i'm picking this part now and uh and then everything's already trained you know how you want to pick it and where you want to place it in the machine and you just hit play yeah well now at the end of the day this is still vision and vision is still a little bit squirrely uh, on a bad day, are mm -hmm. are there classes of parts that we're just not comfortable pursuing uh, an application with, or, or have we figured out how to manage all different types of part size and finish and and shape, et cetera? Yep, yep. I mean, Actinav. Uh, so we're, it supports uh, one sensor to start. Well, one sensor in in two sizes. The first sensor is a is a structured light sensor. 
There's other types of 3D sensors that we're going to support in the future, like stereoscopic cameras and laser line scanners, for example, that can cover different different uh, different parts and different bin sizes, for example. Um, so, and there's advantages and disadvantages, like you said. You know, Actinav isn't isn't introducing any any uh, any proprietary or special. Um, you know, new vision technology. So it has all of the typical caveats, um, you know, and limitations and advantages of the different technologies. What I will say, though, is that, um, you know, this first sensor, which is a structured light uh, 3D scanner, um, covers a wide variety of parts. It really does uh, perform a lot better than we expected, to be honest, on very black parts mm. and handling reflections, which is usually, you know, kind of the, the real limitation on the structured light approach Definitely. to uh, 3D scanners. So it does pretty well. Um, but, you know, if you're talking a mirrored finish, for example, uh, or very, very deep blacks, you know, the, the technology is just not well suited for that. Stereoscopic cameras would be would be perhaps a better choice in that case. But, but we found it really covers, you know, I don't know the exact number, you know, 80% of the applications, you know, um, when it comes to, you know, part part finish and um, and part geometry. So it does pretty good. Good. Well, and I, I know that uh, the machine tending market is still, is still uh, very much underserved by automation. And uh, so I would expect we'll have good success with this going forward. Um, I'd like to go back to one thing that you mentioned at the beginning, um, and that is that ActiNav is um, under the UR Plus program as an application kit. Could you talk a little bit more about kind of what that means and what the benefits are? Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, UR application kits are really uh, a series of, of, uh, of pieces um, that are designed to solve a specific application. You know, so there's there's UR plus components, certified components, which are really more general purpose. You know, something like a fingers, you know, gripper gripper fingers. Um, those could be mm -hmm. used in all sorts of different applications, and you know, and we've done a lot of great work to certify them, make sure they're plug and play and easy to use. Um, but they're not designed for a specific application. Uh, what application kits are is they're using one or more of those certified components. Uh, they're typically adding uh, a piece of software or a UR cap, which is designed to address a specific application. And then the idea is we should include as many of the pieces needed um, to really solve that application. And the goal of application kits is that you can get a cobot and get an application kit. And that should, you know, either get you all the way there or pretty much all the way there, um, you know, to easily solve that specific application. So Actinav is uh, is targeted at, you know, bin picking for machine tending. So that would be the the application for uh, Actinav and everything, the UI, the you know the software, all the pieces that are included in the kit are all targeted at making solving that application really easy and really straightforward. Nice. So is would this be appropriate for a do-it-yourselfer, or is it best suited for a systems integrator? Uh, First timer or experienced? Yeah, I was who's just, who's who's best uh, who's best equipped to apply it? I was thinking about that because like, what if I've never even touched a robot before? What if I even I don't even know what a cobot is? How how easy could it be to kind of start using one of these kits to to help? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, the way uh, you know cobots to train your first pick and place. 
uh, repeatable pick and place. If you go on UR Academy and sign up for, you know, a little course there, it's really straightforward to to learn how to use a cobot. So people who've never, you know, never touched a cobot before, uh, might be uh, have a little anxiety about, you know, about doing that. But it's really straightforward. And when you compare, you know, Actinav programming to uh, UR cobot programming, uh, it's certainly no harder. You know, it's about the same level of level of uh, of of knowledge needed, um, but it's all flow based. You know, the UI walks you through all the steps that you need to take, tells you, you know, do this, do this next, um, and it's all on the screen there. So it's it's really straightforward. You don't need to have any experience with, you know, robot programming or or vision, um, you know, in order in order to be able to to deploy Actinav. It, it's and all also, the programming is done through the pendant. Yeah, everything's on the teach pendant. Um, yeah, so there's no no separate you know UI that you need to learn. You know, it's everything's right there on the teach pendant. It's all made to be uh, interacted with just by touching and using your fingers. So there's no you know complicated uh, mouse clicks or some other UI. It's 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 very straightforward to do. So the product's out in the market now. Is it uh, is it pretty readily available? And uh, if I wanted to see if my part was appropriate, what's my next steps? Yeah, yeah. So we we're shipping now. Uh, I think we're starting off with a one week lead time, so very short lead time, um, and that'll come down uh, over time. Um, yeah, and so next steps, you know, if you want to, if you have an application you're thinking of, you know, you you found a station that. Um, you know, within your facility is maybe that in that, you know, 10 to 90 second cycle time sweet spot. Um, and what you do is you take uh, take that part and reach out to one of our, our distributor partners and they can take a look at that part. Um, if they have an Actinav system in their lab and it looks like, you know, the part, they can identify ways to pick it and place it and it looks like to be a good fit. Um, then, you know, you can send those parts in along with uh, maybe a video or some pictures um, of, of the station itself, you know, what the process is, and they can, uh, they can mock that up in their lab and they'll, they'll send you a video um, showing, uh, you know, UR5 or UR10 picking that part and placing it into, uh, into a mock-up of, uh, of your fixture, of your machine. That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, just a couple more topics real quick. What are the economics of, of the Actinav system? I mean, again, you've got a nice target zone. You've got target uh, size and weight of parts. Uh, you've got target cycle time. Um, if everything lines up right, what do the economics look like? Yeah, it, it's super compelling. I mean, you know, from from an ROI perspective, if you're doing your ROI either by, you know, total elapsed time in years or by a per part cost basis, um, you know, all the all the applications we've gone through with customers have a really compelling ROI. If we do it just in pure time, um, typically, you know, typically our customers are finding an ROI of less than 18 months, sometimes less than 16 months. Wow. Uh, we're generally targeting, you know, two shift operations. Um, so it's, you know, it allows us, it allows people to get from two shifts to three shifts, get higher throughput. Um, run into the weekends, run into third shift unattended, and uh, and you know on a per per part basis, it just it just works out, you know, really well, especially where there's that high labor content per part. 
you know? Well, and I is is uh, I continue to talk to machine shop operators and owners, and they're they're struggling to hire anyway. Um, so yeah, this could actually sure. be a real boost to productivity. Yeah, that's a a really common uh, common thing that we hear as well. Is you know, it's just it's it's hard to to find you know people for maybe second or third shift, or even just hard to find people at all to to you know to come in and keep that keep those machines online and and producing to keep up with demand so excellent well i have uh, i have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and uh, i think it's an exciting product and every time i look at it i learn a little bit more um danielle could you t- tell our listeners uh, where they should head if they want to pick up some more information about actinav i definitely can if you are interested in learning a little bit more about actinav on kind of the specifics we have universal-robots.com slash actinav that is a-c-t-i-n-a-v that's going to take you straight to our website um, universal-robots.com as well just has a lot more information on cobots excellent excellent Hey, Eric, thanks for spending some time with us today. I thought this was really insightful. And uh, and as always, I enjoy uh, speaking with you. Best of luck for the rest of the day. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Danielle. We have a lot of automation information coming your way. So if you aren't already following The Cobot Show, follow us here on Spotify. And if you're looking for your next steps in automation, visit universal-robots.com. Or send us an email at ur.na at universal-robots.com if you have a specific question about what we discussed today or if you have a suggestion for a future podcast.